0: Chapter 6 of Harry D. Or Making It Out. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Harry D. Or Making It Out by Francis J. Finn. Chapter 6 In Which the Blue Clippers Get a New Member and the College Boys A Half Holiday. Tom Playfair conducted me to the room of the President at first view of the father i was somewhat dismayed he was tall dark thin-faced and wore a pair of somber spectacles he was writing at his desk as we entered and before he looked up i obtained a good view of his face in profile i took him to be a man of books and of a somewhat saturnine disposition father said tom here's a new boy and his name is harry d the president laid down his pen and turned toward us His face, harsh and austere before, became illuminated with a smile, genial and winning, and as he advanced to greet me all my fears vanished. His greeting was indeed cordial, after experience proved to me that I had been deceived by first appearances. Not entirely, perhaps, for I am convinced that by nature Father Delmar was severe, but grace had triumphed over nature, and he won the secret sweetness from a life of self-denial. Now Tom said the President after the first greetings had been exchanged. "'In what class shall we place Harry?' "'In our class, Father. He's been studying Latin and Greek the last two years.' "'Indeed?' There was a gratified look on Father Del Nars face. "'Well, to make sure, I'll examine Harry. You can wait outside for a moment, Tom, and then I'll put him into your hands.' On Tom's going out, the President said very gravely, "'Harry, I congratulate you on meeting Tom.' He's a good boy, a very good boy. But he's not alone in the field, there are others. Percy Wynne, I suggested. Again a bright smile of gratification lighted up the president's face. He looked more than beautiful when he smiled. Ah, you know him. You're lucky. In some respects Percy is marvelous, and what's best of all, each thinks nothing of himself and all the world of each other. But now for your examination. The president was an expert at this sort of work, and in five or six minutes he contrived to find out nearly everything I knew, and, to be frank, an infinite number of things of which I was dismally ignorant. For all that he seemed to be satisfied, and I felt more gratified in exhibiting my ignorance to him than my knowledge to others. "'Well,' he said at length, "'I'll have to stand by the verdict of your first examiner. Here's a ticket for first academic.' you are strong in Latin and Greek, fair in English, and somewhat wanting in history and geography, which you must make up by private study. Now, my boy, go, and may God bless you. Tom met me without and proceeded to guide me over to the small yard. As we drew near the gate between it and the large boys' division, I noticed that Percy, Donald, and half a dozen of the students were grouped together. Hurrah! said Tom. Percy and Donnell have spread the news of your coming and got our fellows together. That's Mr. Middleton over there. He's well, he's just the best teacher you'd want to meet. There's not a boy in our class who wouldn't stand on his head for him. Even as Tom spoke, Mr. Middleton advanced, smiling a welcome as he neared us. What class is it, Harry? he inquired as he caught my hand and gave it a cordial squeeze. First academic, sir, I answered. Splendid! Welcome to St. Mar's." Welcome to the small yard, and welcome to the first academic. In very deed, Mr. Middleton seemed to rejoice over my being in his class fully as much as Tom and Percy. It struck me at once that there was something of the boy in Mr. Middleton, a certain freshness, vivacity, and breeziness of youth. He was a man in every sense of the word, and a boy in its best sense. In all his dealings with us little lads, he never seemed to forget that he too had once been a small boy his sympathy for us took the edge off his severest punishments. Now, pursued my new professor, come and take a look at your companions. Within a few moments I was as much at home with my new friends as one of my temperament and experiences could well be. I was taken with them all, especially with George Keenan and Harry Quip. While engaged in conversation with these two, a very small boy approached me, took me by the hand, led me apart, and said, I'm glad to see you. Percy Wynne likes you. And that proves that you're all right. What do you think of Percy?" As he asked this question, this very small boy turned upon me a pair of piercingly earnest dark eyes. "'I think he's one of the nicest boys I ever met. He's... he's charming,' was my answer." "'Charming, charming,' he echoed. That's a good word. Why?" He almost threw this monosyllabic question at me, and I must confess that I grew so nervous that I was unable to give him answer. This very small boy perceived my embarrassment, and proceeded to relieve it by putting me another question. Do you like mathematics? Not much, I'm sorry to say. Whereupon the serious little lad sighed, but immediately brightened up and added, Well, lots of good fellows don't like em, but I do awfully. I like things proved. You're a Catholic, ain't you?" He went on. Yes. So am I. I'm a convert, and I converted my father too. You just ought to have seen me at him. Here he broke into a smile. I proved him wrong, and he couldn't wriggle out of it. All by yourself? I inquired. Well, no, not exactly. I had a catechism along. My name's Frank Burdock. Your name's Harry don't you think frank is a pretty name indeed i do why to my great relief i had a fit of coughing at this juncture and the small interrogation point went on in this wise i want to tell you that percy wynne is the best boy in the world i don't say anything against anyone else you understand but all the same i'll put my money on percy every time now don't you forget that please and again breaking into a smile this very serious small boy walked away. Few youngsters on first coming to boarding college escaped the ordeal of being teased. Nervous and timid, I had looked forward with no little dread to this stern novitiate in my new life. But to anticipate, my classmates by some agreement, tacit or otherwise, thoroughly sheltered me from any rough usage. After an early supper, Tom, intent upon business, brought me over to the blue grass. I got permission to bring you here, he remarked, because I wanted to try your hand at pitching. We've a strong nine. The only thing is we're weak in the box. If you got it in you, we'll be just right. Tom produced a boys' league, and retiring to the proper distance, asked me to pitch the ball. I gave him an out curve. Very good, he cried. That was a big one. Now let's see your in shoot. Tom misjudged the ball and dropped it. Let it go again, he exclaimed, returning me the ball. Same way. This time he held it. Goodness, but that's the wickedest in-shoot I've seen in the small yard. Send in another. Tom kept me at the in-shoot for several minutes. His eyes glowed with excitement, and candor compels me to admit that I was not a little proud of the impression I had produced. You'll do, Harry, that's certain. You've no idea how glad I am. Now let's try your drop. "'That's good enough, too,' he remarked as he caught the drop. "'But you can improve it with practice. "'How long can you hold out?' "'At present,' I answered, "'not for more than five or ten minutes. "'You're not very strong yet, Harry, "'but we'll get you at the parallel bars "'and the dumbbells and the boxing gloves, "'and in three weeks you'll be able to pitch "'for nine innings twice a day.' "'Just as Tom ceased speaking, "'Harry Quip came running over, "'breathless with excitement.' Oh, I say, he bawled, it's two hundred and fifty. Both of us stared at Master Quip, who was now dancing. In the shade? asked Tom. Who's talking about the weather? shouted Quip. It's two hundred and fifty. And Quip resumed his jig. If you'd like to go to a lunatic asylum, Tom observed, we'll certify that you're a fit subject. Stop your wobbling and talk sense. Thus adjured, Murray Quip supporting himself on one leg roared forth two hundred and fifty boys harry d fills the number upon which communication tom became fully as insane as quick and joined the dance hurrah we'll get a half holiday sure Tomorrow's wednesday and we'll have a swim in the river both young gentlemen now equally breathless deluged me with a torrent of words out of which i gradually fished the meaning I was to return to the small yard, and accompanied by a delegation, was to repair to the president's room, and there it was confidently believed, obtain a holiday as being the two hundred and fiftieth boy of the college. Before I had fairly taken in the situation, each grasped an arm and began hustling me unceremoniously back to the yard. My arrival was greeted with a cheer, other enthusiasts joined themselves to Tom and Harry, and in a trice there were some twenty of us, panting and breathless, outside the door of Father Delmar's room. Here we all paused to recover our breath. We'll make this speech, asked Joe White. Percy, suggested several. All right, said Percy, who was the calmest one of the party. In fact, he rarely lost his breath or his flow of words. Come on, boys, I'm ready. And he knocked. Father Rector, said Percy, when all had entered, we've come to congratulate you. The boys laughed. Frank Burdock threw his hat in the air, but missed it coming down, whereupon he blushed and retired into the obscurest corner. Indeed! exclaimed Father Delmar. On what? On the fact that you now have two hundred and fifty students. Yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir, came a unanimous chorus of voices. The president smiled mischievously. Well, what about it? he inquired. A great deal, answered Percy. When you became president of this college, I am told, there were not one hundred and twenty-five boys in actual attendance, and it is to your energy and efficiency we owe it that the number has been doubled. So permit me to say again, Reverend father, that we, the small boys, congratulate you with all our hearts. Well, my dear boys, I thank you for your congratulations, and in return for Percy's pretty speech, I am tempted to make one myself. Here the boys became very serious. But I am convinced that you do not want a speech just now. The momentarily solemn faces of his auditors again quivered into smiles. So instead of a speech, which you do not want, now be sure not to shout till you get back to your yard. I'll grant you a half-holiday for tomorrow, which you do want. There was a multitudinous, thank you, father, from every boy in the room, and presto, Twenty odd lads, their eyes shining with pleasurable excitement, scurried lightly through the corridor and broke into the yard with a cheer, which at once spread the good tidings throughout the college. End of Chapter Six, read by Mark Barube, Edmonton, Alberta, August 2021.